got George. You've got Tom. You've got another podcast coming. Boom. Okay, nailed it again. We're two for two at this point. <laughs> uh, and the more beers we drink, it's not going to stay that way. What are we drinking, Tom? Okay, so today we've got Brawler Champion Ale by the Yards Brewing Company. Where are they? 500 Spring Garden in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Mm. You know, I don't think I've actually tried a Philadelphia beer in my life. Yeah, you don't hear about too many breweries from that area. Champion Ale, I think that this little cartoon on the drawing of the bottle, it has a old-timey-looking boxer fighter with his sleeves rolled up, looking like he's about to box the devil. Yeah, I would a say A cartoon so. devil. Yeah, which I... And I I just, like that. Yeah, well, just for anyone <laughs> listening, whatever you think the barber looks like is exactly what he looks like. <laughs> I'm just going to assume he's a barber. Everyone back then was a barber. No one can change my mind. But I mean, with haircuts and mustaches looking fine like that, yeah. they must have been. Although i got to say, at 4.2% alcohol, shit, man, this is driving beer. <laughs> this is driving beer. <laughs> By the way, I know we kind of have to say this. Please don't drink and drive. Yeah, please don't. I'm doing that. Uh, please do drink a delicious beer while you listen to this podcast. That's the only way to do it, my dude. Cheers. Cheers. Takes another drink or two. Mm-hmm. It's a lot more mild than the beer we had before. Absolutely. But, but it's, it's an easy drink, which yeah. is kind of what I like. This is a kind of beer you can have two or three of these at dinner, I right. feel. And in color, it's more of an amber or even a, maybe a little more of a darker ale, but... Oh, light, for sure. I would say so. Darker in color, but lighter in body, so it goes down smooth and easy. And personally, I like that. I love myself a good dark lager. You know, I gotta say, it's harder to find good brown ale. In, like, sure it's, is. It's kind of a niche thing. I don't understand why. Brown ale, it's such a specific kind of flavor that either people are going to really like it, or maybe not. And, you know, that's why you don't see any beer companies offering three or four different varieties yeah. of it. They've got, like, one brown ale, if that. But, yeah, it's a niche, but it's a real damn good niche. I love a nice brand I'm, myself. I'm just happy I finally found one that I know I'll, I can go back and enjoy it every time. Because, you know, it's, like I said, man, it's hard to find um, brown ale that's any good. Episode one of the Metal Gods podcast. Mm. What better song to start with than Metal Gods? Mm. Nineteen eighty, four minutes, four seconds, and a friggin' classic for all time. Just like the perfect metal song, man. It's got a killer riff, a great hook, memorable guitar solo, and it doesn't overstay its welcome. It's exactly as long as it needs to be, and every single time I hear it, man, I, I get chills. It is a classic metal anthem. God, yes. Oh, we can talk about that guitar riff. Hmm. There's a driving force to the riff. It makes me want to move. It makes me want to bang my head. That is a riff with purpose. And the purpose 
is to make you shit yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. What? That riff does that riff's pretty great, but it does not have the brown note. <laughs> I mean, no. Listen, man, it can happen with the right level of excitement. And volume. Exactly. And maybe if Halford gets that scream pitched just right, Oof. he just might make you crap your pants. <laughs> oh man. And I do like that the band started to play the riff a lot heavier in the later years to mm. sound more in line with the rest of their set list yeah. as the band steadily got heavier yeah. and heavier well, over the years. What they did was they turned, they tuned their guitars from E to D in their later years. And what's oh. remarkable to me is that the sounds, the songs sound equally as good in an alternate tuning yes. than they do in their original, in Absolutely. that original E standard. Just hear this live right now. Definitely, oh my god. Yeah, definitely more of a crushing feel. Dude. Literally, what you just said, both of us started, like, headbanging at the same time. Like, just bobbing along to it. You can't not do that. You want to move. It's sketchy. Dude, if I hear that song in the gym and I'm by myself, and I'll just start fucking headbanging. I don't give a shit. The next thing we have to talk about is the natural sound effects. And here's where you might learn something interesting. So, Judas Priest got a little bit creative when they were recording British Steel. It almost reminds me of how old-timey movies before CGI, they had to use practical special effects, and they had to get very creative with, oh, how are you going to make it look like someone's head is blowing up in this horror movie, and they came up with interesting solutions. In such the same way, Judas Priest recording British Steel and Metal Gods on that album in a time period long before iTunes, Pro Tools, GarageBand, and how are they making all those sounds when they don't have samples, like maybe that whip that you hear. Well, it's not a real whip. You might think it is, because Rob has been known to bring a whip on stage, but for whatever reason, they couldn't get the sound right, and that's just a plain-ass guitar chord. Which is so apt. It's actually hilarious that they came up with that, and I think that what the more interesting thing is that they were doing it on the fly. It was like, no one had ever heard that before, you didn't know how it was going to come out, and it's like you said, now... Musicians have so many tools at their disposals that you could just look up any sound effect you can imagine. But back in the day, they sure. had to improvise. Sure. And that's not to say that, oh, music now is worse because it doesn't take talent. We're not going to take that old man point of view. We're just saying that we respect the amount of creativity it took to do that without sampling 100%. and get an interesting sound because it makes a cool story. How about this one with the clashing swords at the end of the song? A quick aside, 
I always thought that was like the machines marching. Yeah, now that's what it is. Oh, okay. How they made that sound, and you might not believe this, trays of forks and knives, silverware. They just took those trays of silverware and dropped them on the floor. <laughs> that's the sound you're hearing right Dude, there. that's awesome. That reminds me of, um, in Lord of the Rings, the sound of the Balrog. They just <laughs> took a big boulder and fucking pushed it over some wood. And that's what created the sound of its roar. That is amazing. Yeah. British Seal is full of cool little uh, tricks and behind-the-scenes things like that. Some people know about breaking the wall with the breaking glass. Some people? They were just taking beer bottles and literally chucking them at the wall (laughs) and recording that. Is that what they were talking about when they were breaking the wall? (laughs) (laughs) They're talking about a lot of things, yeah, Tom. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I know. I've heard the damn song. <laughs> We've all heard the damn song. <laughs> ain't, if you ask, ain't like no a, one listening to a Judas Priest podcast that hasn't heard Breaking the Wall. If you showed that song to a five-year-old child without any knowledge of, like, without any context whatsoever, they'd say, "Oh yeah, that's Judas Priest." They just might. Yeah. You know the way like a, like cats just instinctively know how to use a litter box. It's the same thing with um, breaking the law. Everyone just knows what it is. Even though they've never heard it. Pretty much. One more, just one more last sound clip of the sound effects to throw at you. That ominous metal banging, or thunder as it's supposed to be, kicking off the intro to Metal Gods, well, that's nothing more than a door being slammed. Oh, shit, dude. And now you know all the secrets, and there's no more magic and mystery. We ruined it for you all. Uh, Listen, (laughs) you're an asshole. Yeah, (laughs) as I do. Hey, listen, man, if we had to suffer, so does everybody else. That's a hard truth to have to live with, so... Yeah, well, it's like KK said in that interview where I learned exactly that. It's like, yeah, well, I'm not going to lie and make up a story about some cool thing that I never did. Because eventually, someone's just going to come out and tell the real story, and then they make me look like an asshole. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, that's awesome. The thing is, whenever I hear um, Metal Gods, I just immediately think of the machines from Horizon Zero Dawn. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, like, you know, like the... Um, and uh, for those of you who haven't played the game, it's one of our favorites. Uh, how would you describe what those machines are like? Okay, so imagine you are an archer fighting robot dinosaurs. And that's exactly <laughs> what this game is, and it's exactly yeah. as cool as... Like, that sounds, like, very sort of cheesy and gimmicky, but it's such an amazing game, I cannot recommend it enough. It, yeah, and it's done in such a way that... There's a lot of interesting dialogue on the sort of environmental impact that people have had and these sort of world-ending scenarios and how the world recovers from it and the power dynamics and structures of society change as a result of sentient technology being introduced. Uh, It's fascinating. And that's pretty in line with the lyrical content of Metal Gods, And much in the same way, you know, it's a song that tells a story about humanity being subject to a robot uprising 
and becoming to be dominated by the very machines that they created. And, you know, that's a tale that we've heard time and time again growing up. We've watched Terminator and we've dealt a lot with the concept of robots becoming our overlords, AIs becoming more intelligent than us. So Judas Priest was there sort of asking those questions in the 1980s with this song. Wow, that was so much more eloquent than what I said. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that was beautiful, honestly. It's almost like it's such an old motif, but I think they were one of the first ones to actually touch on it. I mean, Black Sabbath had done Iron Man, which is sure. kind of the same story, mm-hmm. Like, yep. s- which I think that it's more prevalent today, but they were kind of... One of the first, I'd say. I, I hesitate to use the word pioneers, but... Yeah, well, they were pioneers of metal in many ways. For sure, absolutely. And maybe other science fiction writers had already explored that concept, but Priest managed to take a real compelling look at it mm. in song form, yeah. which is value in itself. And a lot of Judas Priest songs go back to that centralized theme of just being short little mini sci-fi stories. There are, of course, quite a few Priest songs with the tackle legitimate, relatable themes to you and me, love, fighting, all sorts of personal experiences. But then you get, like, another greater bulk of them that are just cool science fiction stories, like Painkiller and Metal Gods. You know what one I actually really identify with, um... One that was definitely ahead of its time was Electric Eye. Because Ooh. Electric Eye is about a satellite that can peer in on your life and watch everything that you do. Like, And they were talking about surveillance as a concept all the way back in the 80s, before there was anything like that. Uh, I agree with you. Yeah. I think that there was remarkable foresight there. Uh, we'll have a big discussion on Electric yeah, Eye I soon think, enough. <laughs> I think that is honestly going to have to be its own episode. Oh, of course. Oh, well, and at some point, we hope to we hope to be able to talk about every song by the end of our run. Yeah. If we can make that happen, I would love it. One last note: one day we're going to have to do an entire episode about about Rob Halford's Instagram. <laughs> oh man, that man is hell bent for weather. Ah, let me tell you, folks. I'll never forget that joke. But he anyway. uses Instagram like a teenage girl, and he is <laughs> fabulous at it. Oh, it's so good, man! It makes my day every time I look at it. Anyway, so back to Metal Gods. Like, did you? What other thoughts did you have on that song? Yeah, well, let's stick with Rob okay. because I really like the way that he emphasizes certain syllables in the verses. He emphasizes certain syllables, he makes his voice rise, he knows exactly how to put the sort of, that sort of extra spin on it. I think it's the man just knows exactly what a song needs. Like he hears it and he, he sort of like lives with it for a little bit. And then it's like, okay, I know exactly what this song needs and how I'm going to apply my vocal technique. And he nails it every single time without exception. Oh, yes. I just think that Halford as a vocalist, he's definitely up there. I think it goes without saying that 
he's up there with guys like Bruce Dickinson, for sure, as like the legendary metal vocalists. Yup. Alfred is number one in my book. 100%. Yeah. And such a great performer live. Mm. And I like the way that this song sounds live a little bit better, I would say. Mm. And there's one part especially where I think they've made some positive changes live. And here, let me show you the studio version of this one part. And that happens at the end, the last instance of the pre-chorus verse. So he really dials that part up a notch live. Here's what that sounds like. What a scream. <laughs> Jesus, man. And at his age, that he can still do shit like that? My God. The man is a powerhouse. Yeah, and it's like that old saying, you know, as a band, you don't want to go out and perform live and have people saying, wow, that sounds just like the album. Mm. Like, you want your fans to buy your album and say, wow, this almost sounds as good as they do live, because live is the arena where metal can really excel. Hell yeah, man. And you know who employed that technique relatively recently? Ghost. Because yes. their first album doesn't utilize anything resembling like a wall of sound. But then people see them live. Anyone who's seen Ghost live will tell you it's like one of the best shows they've ever seen. Absolutely. Mm. I got into them pretty heavy a few years ago, honestly. Like, not even going to front. I, yep. Tom loves himself some Ghost. I'm a Ghost fan and as well. And it, my fandom really kicked off because I saw them live. And after that, like, I was convinced these guys know what they're doing. And their albums, they may not quite sound as good as they do live, but they've got some songwriting chops. Uh, I would love to see Ghost tour with Priest. Hell yes, dude. And you know, actually, when we first started, you were the one who showed me Ghost, and at first, neither of us understood it. Because at the time, they were blowing the fuck up. Sure. And we were like, dude, I don't fucking get it. And then I looked up videos of them live and I was like, oh, okay, that's why. That's I get it. it. Yeah. But I think Judas Priest, with the production they had on their 80s albums and then seeing them live, where you've got that wall of sound, like a whole wall of Marshall stacks running through a Gibson Flying V. That's the defining yeah. image you yeah. think of, especially when you're thinking of this era of Priest in the 80s that British Steel sort of kicked off. Yeah, and it was... I Dude, I think, honestly, it was like a challenge. The band to the audience, they were like, I will fucking melt you if you come here. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure they did, man. They like, did. Back in the... Dude, do you have any idea what I would give to, like, astral project into the past to see Priest in, like, 1986? Oh, my God. Oh, God. That would be rad. Yeah, and... I mean, the that footage is online, but it's not quite the same as being there. No, if not you, at all. If you have the chance to see Priest, you know, they're still going strong after 50 years, yeah. but don't take it for granted. You never know which tour will be the last, and you should go see the band while you still can. Yeah, man. That's what I told my fiancé. Uh, we really need... You, you will 
regret it forever if you don't see them. So no matter how far you have to drive or how much you have to pay, do it. Because oh, yeah. it's, it is an experience that is inimitable. Tom, You'll you never have to, experience anything like it. Tom, no matter how far you have to drive, for you, that's a grueling 20 minutes. <laughs> uh, that's okay. But I, I agree with you. Yeah, that, that's, you, you if it's reasonably possible, go yeah. see them. Yeah, sure. fair enough. I mean, I've, yeah. I've, got, some, I've got some good um, um, commute privilege going on right here. Here's another interesting fun fact, since we're talking about Metal Gods being played live. Now, Priest fans know Metal Gods is a mainstay in the set list, but it wasn't always. Sometimes, as a band, you actually don't know which songs are going to strike a chord with people. No pun intended. <laughs> and it took some time before Judas Priest saw what they had in Metal Gods. In 1980, British Steel Tour, how many times did they play Metal Gods? Twice. Compare that to Living After Midnight, which was played 20 times. Uh, next year, 1981, Worldwide Blitz Tour, same story. They only did Metal Gods a few times. Mm. It wasn't until 1982, a full two world tours later, that Priest started playing Metal Gods almost every night. Now it's you, you can't imagine a Priest concert without it. It's in their top five most played songs ever. And... It, it, it's kind of interesting how it sort of took them a while to realize that they had something there. I mean, that's kind of an interesting thing, honestly. I think it's really a matter of perception because there are bands who their most legendary albums, when they wrote them and recorded them at the time, didn't think much of them. Like sure. Opeth, I, that was the story with Blackwater Park. They thought it was nothing special. And then it blew up, and it has this status where it is a top-tier album. Yeah, and you, you hear about that for sure. And on the other hand, there are bands that they think they're releasing gold, and it turns out to be crap. Yeah. And I'm not going to disparage any bands here. But I think that it takes time for that realization to kick in, and it was clearly the case with Metal Gods. Yeah, and in any case, we've gotten to the point where we are now, where it's a classic, and I think we're better off for it. I agree. Did they play that when we saw them? Oh, hell yeah. Okay, perfect. Yeah, like I said, oh, you, know you what? can't imagine a concert without it now. So there's a weird thing with me in concerts is that I don't know what this is, but I almost can never remember concerts for some reason. Interesting. It's a weird thing because I enjoy, I love going to shows, but like, I can only recall like the most minute details of a show for the most part. And if you're I try to, you're really living in the moment there. I guess so. That must be it. And my and you know my short term memory isn't good, but I think when I'm in that moment, like dude, when I saw Watain live in 2018, I lost my goddamn mind. I don't think I'd be able to tell you what my name was in that moment if you asked me. So, the experience is just. It's fucking visceral, but what were we just talking about? <laughs> I, I believe the song was Metal Gods. Okay, fair enough. And seeing the band live, uh, yeah. yep, absolutely, they almost always play Metal Gods. Mm. It was part of the encore. I wonder if looking at the set list would help jog some of those memories out of your out of the recesses of your brain. I definitely remember them playing Firepower for sure. Oh yeah. I remember Turbo Lover, 
And I remember breaking the law, obviously. Okay. Painkiller. So I definitely remember painkiller. See, now your memory is getting jogged. It is, for sure. But for a lot of it, it's not, man. I'm telling you, my short-term memory, you just, I just explained, I just explained it, and then it happened. Live in the moment. Why not, right? Like, dude, I have no other choice, honestly. <laughs> Metal Gods has been covered by quite a few bands, mm. as you might imagine, for a classic song like this. Primal Fear, Udo Dirkschneider, Fozzy are a few of those you might have heard of. You can uh, look those up if you happen to be interested. Mm. All right, I think we call it a wrap on Metal Gods. Wait, did we even talk about how much the chorus kills? If you do not sing along to that chorus at the show, you have no soul. <laughs> and there's no other way to say it. You know, I do like the chorus a lot on the studio version because I feel like there's a sort of strange, eerie, and mechanical vibe to the way that Rob sings that. The whole sort of metal. It's not his typical range and not his typical measure, and I think that the sort of robotic vibe of it, uh, quite frankly, it meshes with the lyrical content discussing how robots become the dominator of humanity. Yeah, and I think for sure that it's really weird hearing that because, to my knowledge, I've never heard him do anything like that on any other song, so it definitely makes the track stand out. And as far as, like, the um, the unnatural-sounding voice goes, it sends home the message of the song in a, in a way that's very succinct, I would say. Is that the right word? Succinct? I think that's a great way to describe it. Perfect. All right, folks. Thanks for listening. We're signing off. Stay, Stay locked, locked in and, and keep defending, defending the faith. faith.